I wanted to begin just by asking how the fellowship has been so far. We had our first mess. Well, we've had this is our fourth session this this semester, but um, last week we had our first session on Genesis, and then today we're we're going we're continuing on Genesis. And um, how how has it been? Has has it been thumbs up, thumbs sideways, or thumbs down? I don't know if there's a thumbs down reaction. Um, okay, eh, all right. Okay, not bad. We got a few thumbs up and we have a heart. So that's good. That's encouraging. Um, and hopefully you guys aren't just saying that. But even if you are, I'll still take it. So um, tonight we are going to continue in our in our series of messages in Genesis. Um, and oh, Matt, I, I forgot. I wanted to remind you, uh, make sure that we are streaming so yeah, if you guys don't know, we, we do stream to YouTube and we record it. So you can always share these messages with your friends or whatever. Um, the only way to access these videos is through our website. Um, so feel free to go back. And if you missed last week's message, you can also just watch it on our, on our website. Okay, so uh, let me continue. So tonight we'll be getting into uh, Genesis and we'll be covering a portion that's often referred to as the creation of man. However, um, we want to take a different perspective on these on these verses because uh, typically, when you hear these verses, they're um, in the context of like trying to prove people wrong, like creation versus evolution, or like apologetics. Or, you know, trying to convince your atheist friend that science and the Bible, you know, do correspond. But that's not what we're, we're not going to be in that realm. We're, we're going to take a much, much higher perspective. We're going to actually take God's perspective. In fact, this is the best way to interpret the Bible, is to take God's perspective. Um, so to help us do that, uh, I'd like to ask a question, and Zoomers, on the chat, feel free to respond. And for those in Psych 106, feel free to just say what comes to mind. This is a question that was asked in our Instagram story today, and it's, what makes man different from every other living thing on earth? What makes man so special? Well, what, what is it? What is it about man? And I'm going to try to pull up um the chat here so everyone else can see what's going on so what what makes man special what makes us different than every other thing on the earth we were made in the image of god good nice anything else Okay, we have three parts. Amen. Yes, we have. That's a good. One. I like. I like. I like that one. Three parts because that was something we covered two weeks ago in our praise and ministry meeting. Um, we have a spirit that, that goes along those lines in the image of God. That's something that we'll we'll cover tonight for sure. Uh, we have speech. Yes. Uh, 
some people say that dolphins can communicate. I think that's true, but they don't have speech. Right, I like that one. Uh, Matt, to communicate with God, yeah, that's for sure. We have the capacity to do that. Um, yeah, that's that's what dolphins do, squeak, squeak. That's their, that's their, uh, the best form that they can do. Um, uh, so all of those are, are generally true. I think we all have the sense that man is at least different uh, or is different from every other thing at some level. Um, and tonight we're going to touch what, how the Bible says that we're different. Um, so to better understand this contrast, I think it's, it's, first, it's good first to see what the Bible says about how everything else was created. So this is in point one. In point one, it says the plants and the animals were created according to their kind. And I'm just going to read these next five verses. And I hope that y'all can pick up the, uh, a certain phrase, and it should be pretty obvious. I think uh, A&M students will be able to pick it up. Um, so we'll see. Genesis 1, 11 through 12 says, And God said, Let the earth sprout grass, herbs yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit according to their kind, with their seed in them upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, herbs yielding seed according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with their seed in them according to their kind. And God saw that it was good. Have y'all picked up on the phrase yet? Okay, maybe you need more help. All right. Let's do verse 21. And God created the great sea creatures and every living animal that moves with which the waters swarmed according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. I think you guys got it by now, right? What, what's the key phrase so far? It was good. Yes, according to their kind. Genesis 124 to 25. So this is the last set of verses. Uh, and I like these because it's between these two verses, it's mentioned one, two, three, four, five times. And God said, let the earth bring forth living animals according to their kind, cattle and creeping things and animals of the earth according to their kind. And it was so. And God made the animals of the earth according to their kind and the cattle according to their kind. And everything that keep that creeps up on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So here we see that when God created everything up until this point, everything was created according to its kind. Yeah. So what does that mean? It means that when God created everything, trees, herbs, even seeds, the, the fruits of the trees, uh, animals, everything in the ocean, in the, in the heavens, on the earth. It was made according to its kind, according to its species, millions and millions of species. 
um, so many that even to this day, there's millions of undiscovered kinds. It's amazing. Um, but what's interesting here is, as we mentioned last week, that God's intention, again, is not to give us merely a record of his creation. Because if he did, then Genesis 1, 11 through 25 would be much, much longer. If God intended to tell us about every single creature and how each one was made, it would be much longer. Um, so again, this is not his intention. He just says, boom, they're, they're there. Trees according to their kind, fish according to their kind, birds according to their kind, cattle according to their kind. You know, creeping things on the ground according to their kind. So here we see something about God's process and his creation. Now, kind of going back to my question, why is man different? Well, it's based on this. It's based on his creation. Man is different because man was created in a different way and even in a special way. In fact, God's creation of man is so special to God that God gave us a more detailed record. And that's where we come to point two. And in addition, God did not create man according to their kind. That's a big point. Everything else from Genesis 1.11 through, through verse 25 was a created according to their kind. But man was not created like this. Wow. According to verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, but not according to their kind, but according to our likeness. So in a very real sense, we can say that man was not made according to mankind. In a, in a sense, there's no mankind, but man was made according to God's kind. There is something intrinsic. As humans, because of, our, because of the way we were created, that we are related to God. We are his kind. Um, now, I wanted to just pause a little bit because maybe you're thinking, oh, well, I thought, I mean, what does this have to do with Christ? Well, Christ has a lot to do with this, um, but that's going to be in point three. First, we need to go through point two before we get to point three, because point two tells us why this is really important. If, if we only see Christ in this and we don't know why this is important, then we won't fully appreciate why Christ's uh, being in this is so rich. So this is important that man was created in the image of God because nothing else on the earth has God's image except man. This means that every human being is special simply because they are human. 
they are men. So, you know, um, and I think us or many of you that are in college, it's very important to see this because this verse, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over everything on the earth. This uh, verse, this thought that comes from God has to has everything to do with us. This is not just something that yeah. God wrote because, or something that Moses wrote because it sounds cool. No, these verses actually tell us who we are and what we're made for. And I mean, we could literally spend weeks just on these verses, weeks, I mean, weeks upon weeks just on these verses. But I wanted to impress you with this, that, that the fact that we were created in God's image means that in that the Bible gives us a definite identity. It gives a, it tells us who we are. So for example, if I wanted to know who Johnny is, right, let's suppose I didn't know, know him. Um, I guess I would, I could ask him for his name, but to prove that he is who he says he is, I would ask for an ID card. I would, I would ask for identification, some kind of ID. Johnny, what's your ID? And then he would pull out his Texas driver's license or his U.S. passport, or I don't know, maybe he still has his A&M ID. All of those things would tell me who he is. Yeah. And what I want to impress you is that the Bible is your ID. And what it, the Bible says is that you are made in God's image. Mm -hmm. And I use this word identity. Actually, I use it intentionally. I use it on purpose. Because in this age, this word identity has been misused and abused. I would even say hijacked. And I'm not trying to get philosophical like, oh, you know, what is identity or who am I? Um, what is identity? Or, you know, I'm not trying to get political. I'm not even trying to get theological. That's not the point of this. But I'm simply trying to say that the Bible does explicitly give tell us what we are made for and tells us that we do have an image. And according to the Bible, according to Genesis 1.26, we, mankind, has or have the image of God. Every person, every, sing, every human being has the image of God. And, the, and again, the reason I felt that this was very important to us is because in this age, everything, everything that the world is doing today is trying to define who you are. Perhaps, and, maybe, and, you know, this was me in college. Certainly in high school and definitely in the early years of my college years, I was trying to figure out who I am. And you know what the world does best? Try to tell you who you are. That's exactly what, what, the, what the world does best. And the world will say, um, well, you are 
you know, whoever you say you are, the, the, you are, however you feel, you are, um, you know, yeah, what, what you think you are, what, whatever makes you feel right, that's what you are, whatever you want to be, that's what you are, um, you know, and, and I'm not even talking about any bad kinds of identities, there, there's good kinds of identities, for example, you know, growing up, I was a very proud Texan, actually, I still am, I love Texas, uh, actually, Sophia and Grayson know, I know surprisingly a lot about Texas, you know, we went on a hike uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I was surprised, man, I know a lot about Texas, I was, t- I was telling them a lot about Texas, um, for example, for those that are not from Texas, did y'all know that we I don't know if it still does this, but when I was in school, we would pledge allegiance to not just the US flag, but also the Texas flag. And I thought it was cool because we were the only state that did that. I think that, I think to this day, that's still true. Um, but anyway, I thought that was cool that we have our own flag and that we could secede whenever we want. And I don't even know if that's legally doable. But the point is that I was, a, you know, that was awesome. You know, that, oh man, and barbecue and Tex-Mex and Rudy's and Bucky's. Oh man, that's awesome. Like, why would anyone ever want to live anywhere else? This is, this is the identity that I adopted. And then when I, so that's not a bad identity. It's a, I think it's a great identity, but it's not the identity that God gave me. Another one was when I came to a and I was, you know, A&M all the way, you know, I was, uh, had my maroon shirts. I didn't do the football games. I couldn't do the football games. That was, that was a little too much. Um, but, uh, again, as much as I love the Aggie identity, the Aggie identity is not what God gave me. The identity that God gave me was image and dominion. I catch that image dominion. ID. That's your ID. (laughs) Image and dominion. That's what God gave us when he created us. And, you know, when I was in high school, uh, I turned to, I had a big turn to the Lord when I was in high school. And a brother, he shared these awesome verses. I will never forget this. This is, uh, this comes from Matthew 22. They're not on here. Um, And I'm going to do this really quick. But are y'all familiar with this story? It's there's two groups of Jew, Jews. It's the Herodians and the Pharisees, and they're like they're actually rival groups. And then for once, they kind of gather together. They 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 team up to trap the Lord. They ask him a really difficult question. Um, they ask him, uh, "Teacher, like, uh, uh, should we give tribute to Caesar? Something like that." And of course, the Pharisees are like. You know, they're expecting him to say uh, yes, uh, and the Pharisees would say, no, you, you shouldn't. And then the Herodians were saying, or would expect the Lord to say no, because uh, the Herodians would, you know, demand tribute to Caesar. Anyway, it's a, it's a lose-lose situation. Of course, the Lord is not a lose-lose type of person. He's a win-win type of person. Um, and he always knows what to say. And I'm sure in fellowship with God the Father, he was able to figure out this really awesome answer that has affected me to this day. But he asks them, uh, show me the coin. 
this is significant because he didn't have the coin. But he says, show me the coin. And then they pull out the coin. And then the Lord says, whose image is on is on this? What he cared about was the image on the coin. Not the worth of the coin, but the image on the coin. And then he says, render the things to Caesar's render the things of Caesar's to Caesar, render the things of God to God. Mm-hmm. And here, and the point was, again, this is, this is what the brother shared with me, that the Lord does not possess things that do not have his image. And he only can possess the things that have his image. And this impressed me so much because I was, I was, it, it helped me because I would I started to pray like this, like Lord, thank you for giving me your image. Because I have your image, I belong to you. Yeah. And because I belong to you, I want to follow you. Yeah. And this is this is I guess my big point that if you want to follow the Lord, if you want to be useful to the Lord, you need to settle this matter that I have God's image. When my identity is not this or that or what I can do or what I can't do or, but my image, my ID, my identity is God himself. Um, So with that, I'll just finish with these last few verses. Um, I'll finish reading Genesis 1.26. I don't think I finished reading it. Um, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, Yeah, so actually when I say man, I actually include male and female. Um, Genesis 2, 7, uh, Jehovah, God formed man with the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So this is what I mean. God recorded how he made man. He didn't do this with any other creature. And on top of that, we see that the way God created man was very intimate and personal he formed man's body with the dust in, and in the nostril that he himself formed, he breathed into that. I mean, how much more intimate can it get than God breathing into those nostrils? And the breath which he breathed into man became the breath of life, which is the spirit of man. And the byproduct of the dust of the ground and the breath of life was a living soul which was made to uh, express to and to magnify God's attributes, including his holiness, his love, his righteousness, his mercy, his compassion. All of these things are capacities of the God-created soul. Um, so uh, anyway, with that, I will...
pass it on to Brooke. Okay, thank you, Carlos. I'm gonna click a couple of times here and um, yeah, so I can see you all instead of myself. Thank you, Carlos. Um, I'm gonna take over here and get into point three, but before I do, I want to add something to our identity from the New Testament, uh, or not to add to our identity, but add to this, this talk about our real identity. So um, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, this is in Acts chapter 17, the Acts chapter 17, if you want to follow, uh, look it up or write this down. But he was there in Athens waiting for a couple of brothers, and he was just walking around. And it says in verse 16, that his spirit was provoked within him as he beheld that the city was full of idols. So what did he do? He started speaking. He went into the synagogue there and was speaking to the Jews uh, there. Yeah. Thank you for putting that in the chat. There's Acts 17, 16. So he was speaking there and he ended up uh, in the Areopagus addressing the men of Athens. These are Greeks and he is speaking the gospel to them. And here's what he says. This is verse 28 and 29. For in him, talking about God, we live and move and are, as even some poets among you have said, for we are also his race. Being then the race of God, we ought not to suppose that what is divine is like gold or silver or stone, like the engraving of art and thought of man. So the apostle Paul here telling these these Greeks uh, in his gospel to them that we are the race of God. And this is a fundamental thing that we must realize about who we are, what we are, how God made us. You know, this, this earth today is filled with people. And strictly speaking, there's only one race. Yes, there's lots of ethnicities, Differences in, in language, differences in culture, differences in background, a lot of differences. But strictly speaking, there's one race, and that is the race of God, because we were all created from one. That is Adam. We all descended from Adam, who was made, as Carlos had said and described from those verses in Genesis 1, in the image of God. So what is the image of God? So what does God look like? What does God look like? If, if the Bible is talking about the image of God, uh, image is something you see, right? What does it look like? What does he look like? Just pause for a minute and think. Uh, and then I'll, I'll jump into point three as we consider this. What does God look like? Okay, point three. Christ is the image of God. The image of God is Christ. That's the direct answer. But, but still, what does God look like? Okay, well, first we'll, we'll, we'll hit this in the New Testament in these two verses, Colossians 1.15 and 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, which are on this outline here, uh, uh, which are on our verse sheet. Colossians 1.15, talking about the Son of God, who is the image of the invisible God. And 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Christ, who is the image of God. Direct, clear, Christ is the image of God. God is invisible, um, yet he has an image. The invisible God has a visible image, and this is Christ. 
This is Christ. Um, and let's go to Hebrews 1.3. That's the next one here. Who being the effulgence of his glory and the impress of his substance and upholding and bearing all things by the word of his power. This who is the son of God is Christ, Jesus Christ. It says here that he is the effulgence of God's glory. Effulgence is like, uh, it's like the brightness, the shining of, of the light. Uh, like the sun that rises in the morning and sets over us every night. That sun in the sky, S-U-N. It's very bright. It's too bright to look at. The effulgence is like the brightness of that shining. Um, Christ is the effulgence of God's glory. You can't see God. How are you going to see his glory? Christ is how you see the glory of God. He's the effulgence of God's glory. Then it says in Ephesians, uh, Hebrews 1.3 also, the impress of his substance. This is a really sweet word. You know, what is God's substance? Carlos mentioned some things already, his attributes, uh, righteousness, holiness, glory. Uh, God is love. You know, God is light. His person, he's so full. There's so many adjectives to describe him. He is compassionate. Um, he is kind to the unthankful and evil. I, I didn't really, that, there's a verse that says that very thing. And I never really hit me until I had kids. And then, you know, kids are not very thankful. They have to learn that, you know, they have to be taught that. But God is kind to the unthankful. <laughs> it's hard to do that. But God is that. God is that. This is his substance. Um, he's long-suffering. He's faithful. He is trustworthy. He's forgiving. Consider us. He forgave us of all of our sins. My goodness. Uh, he's kingly. He's wrathful. And he's merciful. He's not ostentatious. He's not arrogant. He's not proud, uh, but he's, he's lowly. He's humble. Anyway, God is who he is. God's substance. Uh, Christ is the impress of God's substance. All that God is, uh, it's like the, like a, like a seal in wax, like boom, you push that seal into the wax and there it is. There's an image. There's an impress of of something and that's christ showing out who god is in his all that he is um so christ is the image of god uh god dwells in unapproachable light no one has ever seen him christ declares him um okay so <clears throat> to tie this back to what carlos was just saying back to genesis 126 and this is where it gets very interesting it says here in 26, let us make man in our image. So we were made in God's image. But then in 27, it says, God created man in his own image. Do you see the difference? In 26, mm -hmm. our image. In 27, his own image. That's the image of Christ. That's Christ. We were made in God's image. Christ is the image of God. And so we were made in the image of Christ. We were made in the image of Christ. So the last verse here is Romans 5.14. And it says, 
that Adam is a type of him who was to come. A type is a figure. A type is a picture. Um, Adam is a picture of Christ. When God created man, he created a picture. He created a figure of somebody who was to come later on. Adam, Adam's very creation pointed to Christ to come. So, uh, so how come? Why did God create this man in his own image, in the image of Christ, as a picture, as a figure of the real person who was coming? Uh, why is a huge, huge question. And why is, is, is an, it's necessary, it's completely necessary for us to understand. Uh, it gives us our whole, the whole meaning of our life. But tonight, we're just focusing on the what. We are going to address the why next time, next week. Um, we need the why, because that tells us why we're here. But we need first to understand the what. And the what is that God created us in his own image, that we are not animals, that we are not, uh, our identity is not whatever it is that we want it to be. We have been created by God with an intention for a purpose. And that purpose is the meaning of this universe. God created the whole universe. He created the earth. He created man in his image for his purpose. Um, this is huge. This is tremendous. But we wanted to just kind of dwell on this what before we touch the why. Uh, we need a good foundation in the what. So, you know, two weeks ago, we talked about approaching the Bible, uh, how our approach to the Bible we didn't, we, st- we didn't even start Genesis because we wanted to first say, when we come to the Bible, we have to come to Christ in the Bible. So this week, let's read Genesis chapter one. Let's come to Christ as we read Genesis chapter one. Let's turn our hearts to him and let's hear him confirm the things being spoken tonight. Just in your room by yourself, uh, behind a closed door, read Genesis chapter one again in the presence of Christ. Let, let this what that we're talking about penetrate and, and be firmly established so that when we come to the why, it just fits. And the Lord can speak further to us about why we're here. Where, where have we come from? We're talking about that now. Why are we here today? We nearly need to know. Where will we be like 10,000 years from now? We have to have this consideration. We're here. We need to know where we've been, where we came from, and where we're going, right? So I'm going to stop here, and I'm just going to thank the Lord for this time that we're touching these things. Christ is in Genesis, and we are intimately related to Christ, the image of God. Amen.